Welcome to episode 15 of the Canes Country Podcast. This is a post-game edition of the of the podcast. The Carolina Hurricanes just defeated the Florida Panthers by a final score of three to one, thus saving their season and likely propelling them to a playoff spot sooner rather than later. My name is Brett Finger. Uh, I'm a little sick, per usual. I'm joined by Kyle Morton and Justin Lape. How are you guys doing tonight? Hey, Mike, long-time listener, first-time caller. Mm-hmm. I, I just want to know why why they didn't go with Cam Ward in Golden Knight. I feel like he's a gritty veteran presence out there, and he gives the best team the team the best chance to win. And, and I was wondering, where where is Chad LaRose? Where is, <laughs> I, want to, I want to see them bring him back, because I think he got some scoring punch. Big win tonight, though. I'm going to hang up and listen. <laughs> Thank you for that. And Justin Lape is here as well. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, guys? Uh, we're going to go ahead and get into our first topic of the night. Um, the, the thing that is on everybody's mind in the hockey world. Twitter is now 280 characters. Kyle, your thoughts? That just means I have I have enough characters to give a steep and thorough analysis of the big trade that sent Matt Duchesne to the Ottawa Senators and Kyle Turris to the Nashville Predators, and everyone else in the NHL to the Colorado Avalanche. That's my understanding, at least. Every draft pick and every prospect is now property of the Colorado Avalanche. Just about. It paid off waiting. They got they got Sam Girard, Dan Girardi. Stop it. Andrew Hammond, the Hamburglar, Kamenev, Evgeny Malkin, Bowser, Shane Bowser. Bowser from Mario fame. Bowser, yes. Shane Bowers, I believe, is is the name, actually. Yes, Bowser. that is correct. I believe he was a first-round pick of the Ottawa Senators um, in June. Um, I believe he's playing in college at Boston University at the moment. That sounds right. Well, I just wonder how he's adapted to, to the NHL level with his big shell. I don't know if... <laughs> be able to carry that around the ice yeah especially in today's nhl it focuses on speed and i just don't think he's got what it takes yeah i think we can all come to agreement on the fact that the colorado avalanche definitely i i, I think uh wait for the right trade here because it, they, they got a lot of a lot of good pieces where else can you get andrew hammond in this league outside of trading matt duchene for him so andrew hammond is actually good I'm serious. Mm-hmm. Elaborate. I think he's. I think he's an NHL goalie. Obviously, though, that's. I think he was just a throw-in because I don't think Colorado was really looking for a good NHL goalie to come in and play 25 to 30 good games because they're trying to lose. And I think this trade made that obvious. They didn't trade for really any help, and they lost. You know, a first-line center in Duchesne. Uh, obviously, they're off to a better start than a lot of people expected, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But uh, I think I think this kind of signifies that they're going a certain direction. Uh, they're committed to it, and they they got a good haul. Like they have some good pieces now that are going to help uh, make that process as quick and painless as can be. Yeah, I mean the the draft picks are are good. The first and the third from Ottawa, and the second from Nashville. Look, Gerard really, I mean, played himself into that Nashville blue line early in the year. So I think adding him is a, is a pretty big piece. He's a young blue liner. You know, he's very talented from what, from what he's shown early on in, in Nashville. And I think he'll probably slot right into that Colorado defense 
immediately and uh, be a focal point there based on the true lack of depth there uh, on that on that Colorado blue line. Now, my question is, you mentioned the blue line and the depth of the blue line. Are the Avalanche bad enough now to get Dolan first overall? Anyone can be. We just saw the Flyers and the Devils make pretty significant jumps in the lottery. But, you know, with yeah. the new lottery system, you're not really... I don't think any team really goes into it trying to get the first overall pick. I think they just try to give themselves as best as good of a chance as they can get there. Yeah, I mean, I think they'll probably be bottom five, which will give them a good shot. Dolan would be a great fit there, I think, for sure. And what was interesting about that, not only was Matthew Shane pulled in the middle of a game, he snuck off the ice behind an injured Blake Como into the locker room. So that was interesting. And then after the game... I believe it was Gabriel Landeskog who said uh, that they're going to keep on playing hard and playing their game with, with guys who actually want to be there. So some little subtle, not so subtle, really, shots thrown at uh, Matthew Shane. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um, a captain's going to make comments, and those were the comments he chose to make. That is, a, that is right on. That's yeah. great analysis. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> those are the ones he chose to make and i think they were pretty shocking um yeah it was no secret he wanted out um no. you know i think ottawa probably would have liked to keep duchene and Turris. yeah no very interesting trade you don't really see three-way trades that often in the nhl so it's kind of cool that they all work together to get this done and finally we can stop reading about it really it was a great wholesome moment for the NHL to to see these teams work together and uh, lock arms as they finally got Matthew Shane out of his purgatory and got Kyle Turris lots of money. Yeah, I'm, I mean, if I were Kyle Turris, I'd be pretty pumped right now. Uh, going to Nashville and being like the guy who is kind of the symbol that they're going all in on this year and trying to win that cup that they fell just short of last year. And oh, by the way, you're probably going to get a pretty good chance to play with Philip Forsberg. Uh, obviously, Johansson's there, uh, and he'll probably stick with Arvidsson, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Turris get a look with Forsberg, which I think that could be a great fit. I think Nashville's top nine looks real strong down the middle now. Uh, obviously, I think this trade is a little bit of a signal that they were maybe kind of disappointed with the way Nick Benino was performing as a second-line center, but you know, if, if the Penguins of the last two years have taught us anything, it's that Nick Benino can be a perfectly good third-line center. Uh, and then you got Ryan Johansson up top, and then Kyle Turris in the in the middle there, uh, in the top nine. That's that's a pretty good group of three down the middle, uh, and that's going to stand up really well against you know the the Anaheim's, the Edmontons, the I guess the Los Angeleses again <laughs> that that they're going to have to get through in the West. And Andrew Hammond is in Colorado now. Vesna candidate. Maybe Hammond gives Colorado the the backup now to be able to trade Simeon Varlamov. For what? Call I your mean, shot. Call your shot. I mean, Varlamov's probably going to go to Montreal after Carey Price gets run out of town. Wow. <laughs> wow, bold. You live there. You heard it here first. So, all right. All right, all right, all right. All right. Remember, remember when Andrew Hammond went on his run and then the, the McDonald's in Ottawa was doing like a free burger thing for the Hamburglar stealing a playoff spot? Yes. What if? I'm not even going to say what I'm thinking. But <laughs> I love your what if situations. You, 
You know what's what's legal in Colorado. What's legal in Colorado? <laughs> what's you legal in Colorado? Hamburgers? You know what you know what people look for when, when they're doing that thing that's legal in Colorado? Colorado Rockies tickets? That's that's a good one. That's a good one. But I th- I think there could be a little promotion there for McDonald's. I'm just saying. <laughs> There's a thing that's legal in Colorado, and of course I am referring to jaywalking. You're allowed to jaywalk in Colorado. Are you? You can jaywalk to a McDonald's and burgle burgle a ham. Just the way you, you're allowed to jaywalk, but only if you're about to rob a McDonald's. Is what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> They're, they have a weird legislature out there. Yes, yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> this is a weird little podcast that we do every week, isn't it? It is, because we were actually about to uh, transition and talk about halal. Were we going to talk about halal? Uh, you mentioned it before. <laughs> or let me let me say this. You two have been talking about it for roughly 30 minutes now. Oh, man. I'm, if there I'm was a, a pre-show guy. to this podcast, then there would be a lot of halal talk. Yeah, I, I go to school in the Bronx, New York, and there's no shortage of bodegas that sell Middle Eastern halal food here. And right before we were about to start recording after the game, I, I received a text message from Justin uh, informing me that he had a fire alarm in, in his building, and this would delay us a little bit. So I decided to go get a, a nice little snack of, of halal. Then when we got on to talk, before the show, Justin Justin asked me what halal is, and I sent him some pictures. He was like, "Wow, I need to I need to try me some halal." So I, I did the legwork for him, and I found the halal cart in Charlotte that he's going to go to tomorrow. He promised me he would go tomorrow, and he would take time out of his busy busy day and go and, try it. And he would take pictures and put them on put them on his social yeah. media. Tweet them. Accounts. Tweet them. I will do exactly that, and I'll make sure it's tomorrow as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you said before the show. I mean, you already I, said this. I made no such promise, but I will try my best. Speaking of trying their best, the Houston Astros are World Series champions. Heck yeah, they are. Wow. Kyle Morton, you have a little story for some of the listeners who may not know your connection to the Houston Astros. Would you like to enlighten us? Yeah, yeah. I think did did we talk did we talk about it last episode? Or we did, but it. That was the lost episode, right? It was. Yep, it was the it was the lost episode. We we are we are only going to release that episode when we do a paid subscription based podcast. Um, and for those people that pay for it, they'll end up hearing that. It's <laughs> trust me, it is going to be worth it. So our yeah, I mean you don't want to hear that. But so so our audience is in the dark. Okay. So so my cousin uh, is Charlie Morton, a pitcher for the Houston Astros, uh, and he had he was. The pitcher who closed down Game 7 of the World Series. He pitched the last four innings uh, for the Astros against the Dodgers in Game 7 to hold on to the, the 5 five nothing ultimately 5-1 to one lead uh, that they had built. And that, that was unbelievable. Um, I don't want to go into too much detail, but very excited and proud. Fun night for me. It was all about me. I mean, what am I talking about? It was just mm-hmm. no one cares. It's all about me. So on the, lo- on the Lost podcast, you also discussed... Uh, you went to, you know, a few games out at Minute Maid Park. Do I they did. have halal out at Minute Maid Park? At Minute Maid Park, no, no, they have Torchy's tacos. And your thoughts? My thoughts are that I didn't get to try it because I was too anxious to leave my seat during the games. 
Yeah, I think that's a relatable, a relatable experience for Canes fans. If you've ever been to a particularly close Canes game, sometimes the Canes are like going to play in a way that makes you want to leave your seat. Like, yeah, I don't want to watch this. Other times they're playing just well enough to, to raise your blood pressure by 40 points. And then you can't move because you're paralyzed because you care about hockey a completely normal amount. Speaking of raising your blood pressure, have you ever had those barbecue nachos on like the the third those, level concourse? Those were shit when I was in high school. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Those those were the, I would get those every game. Uh, I like would too. The lockout shortened year, I had those every home game I went to, and yeah. and then uh, yeah, 2012 2013 lockout year, had those a lot. Really good. Yeah, uh, we had. I've, we had like season tickets. We had, but it was like twelve games that year or something like that. And yeah, I'm pretty sure I bought them every single time. There's, there's our plug. So I don't know. I don't know who that's by or who that car is by. But if they want to also sponsor this podcast, we're a foodie podcast now. Yes, we we we've talked for probably let's say twenty minutes, and about majority of it has been about food. But actually, we're going to go ahead and get into the more nitty gritty of this podcast the moment you've all been waiting for the recap of this wonderful wonderful week for the carolina hurricanes right finger take it away i i really uh i really want no part of this but uh it was a pretty terrible week they they went to colorado and and last week we we discussed how important these three games were um, Kyle, I believe, said that this is a softball down the middle and you have to hit it out of the ballpark. And their definition of hitting it out of the ballpark was 1-1-1 one, one, and one against Colorado, Arizona, and Florida. That Colorado game was just, you know, uh, an example of a hockey team not really caring. I, I felt like they're, uh, they had a bunch of shots on goal. Very few of them were of any quality whatsoever. It was a rough one. It was a tough one to watch. You know, it, it just felt like there there wasn't a whole lot of passion going on there from the from the Hurricanes en route to, I believe, was a 5-3 loss in, uh, in Colorado. Then Arizona, uh, I didn't actually watch this hockey game, but from what I gathered, it was also fairly miserable. Sounded like the third period was pretty good. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. That game. I, Jordan Stahl scored. Sebastian Ajo made a very nice pass, but they scored one goal against the Arizona Coyotes, and in my opinion, that's not something that should be deemed a good thing. Against Florida, uh, the game that ended about an hour and a half ago uh, when we are recording this, this, this podcast, it felt early on like it was going to be another one of those games where they get a lot of shots, uh, they, they get some decent chances, they get robbed, and that would be the end of it, but... Credit where credit is due, they they did what they needed to. They got to the front of the net. They they made things difficult on Roberto Luongo, who had a very 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 good game. Uh, he robbed Jeff Skinner in the early stages of the second period, I believe, and that was a marvelous save. Derek Ryan does what Derek Ryan does. He scores game winning goals, and Justin Williams does what Justin Williams does, and he scores clinching breakaway goals on empty nets and makes us relive our past from 11-ish years ago. You know, it was good to see them salvage a game. I mean, there's really no excuse to losing Colorado and Arizona, uh, in, in my opinion. 
uh, they needed to get multiple wins, I felt like, for this three-game set to be looked upon as a successful. And they they lost twice against two teams that aren't very good. And they were able to eke out a win against Florida against a very good goaltender that night, Roberto Luongo. And Scott Darling was also very, very good, even in Arizona. And he followed that up with another great outing against Florida. He made some big saves. One thing that was good about the Florida game was down the stretch, it felt like they kept pushing. They didn't just sit back like they have many, many times in the past. Roland McEwen got his first two NHL points, a couple of assists, and he he looked really good with, with Noah Hannafin at even strength. So who knows, maybe Roland McEwen will become an NHL regular and he will get the best out of Noah Hannafin and then that'll make Justin Falk expendable and then he'll get moved for a guy who scores goals as efficiently as Derek Ryan. <laughs> How about Scott Darling tonight? Very, very like underrated performance from him. Like one goal on, I believe, twenty-five shots. Luongo had had the flashier saves for sure, um, but Darling kept that game at one-one for a while, uh, and the team played really well. Uh, they generated a crap ton of shots on goal, generated a lot better chances. Like it was a lot different from from the effort against Colorado in that the Colorado game was about like. Shoot whatever at the net, get sixty shots, score three of them, lose anyway. Uh, you know there there wasn't a lot of quality being directed towards Semi and Varlamov that night, uh, but I thought Luongo had had a tough night uh, in terms of the quality he faced, and he handled it really well. I thought he was great, uh, especially in the first period. Fantastic from him. But Darling, he, he might not have faced as many or as difficult shots, but he 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 won the game. Came up big when he needed to. Uh, there, there was one point where he got around on a wraparound. I can't remember who took the shot, uh, but he got his pad over just in time. And you know, that's a that's a shot that there's not very many goalies that this team has had uh, in the past that find ways to make that sort of a save. Cam Ward, you mean? <laughs> yes, he 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 makes that save. He makes all the saves. Of course. And the power play tonight. Very good. Did not score, but it looked looked much better. I thought Hannafin looked incredible on the power play. I thought Skinner looked good on the power play. I thought Falk looked good on the power play. Um, I thought Rask, believe it or not, looked in his in his element on the power play tonight. And it's McElement. It's McElement. <laughs> Pouring one out for Jamie. But yeah, the the puck movement, the movement, the body movement, the puck movement, the positioning, it was all there on the power play tonight. There were a bunch of good looks. Uh, they just got to start burying them. And, you know, like I said, Luongo is on top of his game tonight. Maybe another night they, they repeat that power play performance against Columbus, against Sergei Bobrovsky. And they don't score then because it's Sergei Bobrovsky. But maybe then the next night against Corey Crawford, they don't score again because Crawford has been incredible. But one day they'll face a goalie who's not incredible and the power play will score. Are you sure about that? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm kind of conditioned to be intimidated by every single goalie in the NHL, I feel like. From watching this team, does that make sense? I mean, Troy Grosnick did have a 48 save shutout for the San Jose Sharks. Yeah, that was incredible. I think Aaron Dell had a good night against against them too last year. I'm sure he did. And, um, the Troy Grosnick game was legendary. It was. That was incredible. He started two NHL games that year, has yet to make his way back up. 
but he got a shutout in Raleigh. So congrats to Troy Grosnick. Um, <laughs> thank you, Troy. Long time listener of the pod. Justin, how'd you feel? Um, how'd I feel? What about tonight personally or just this week? I mean, you can start with this week and then we can narrow it down to the night if you'd like. Well, I mean, one of the things we discussed last week was you wanted to get four of six points or you wanted to get all six points out of those three games. We ended up with three. So mediocrity, here we come. It was an interesting week. I think the Arizona game was one that slipped away. I think you would you would definitely want to get that extra point there. I mean, it was nice that it went to, you know, a shootout. Tonight was solid. Uh, I really liked, and I don't, I don't know if you guys agree with me, I really liked the play of Tavo Teravon tonight. Yeah. Uh, I think he had an underrated performance. He didn't get on the score sheet, but he was generating chance after chance. And he just, I mean, he... He didn't, no dump and chase, just entry into the zone every time. And it was clean, too. It was clean entries. Uh, I don't know. I really liked what he brought. Um, and then as I texted Brett, you can't write this stuff. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. You know, uh, two players that were kind of, you know, ragged on over the past two weeks or something, uh, Derek Ryan and Brock McGinn score. Um, the you know, big time brother matchup that we were all waiting for. Brock McGinn versus Jamie McGinn. I was waiting all year for that. That's some prime time television for you. So, um, yeah, biggest brother versus brother matchup the Canes play this year. I'm I'm sure of it. I'm a hundred percent sure of it. You know, it had nothing to do with that that whole opening night stuff. You know, that that brother versus brother matchup. Who? Who? Yeah, exactly. Who? But no, it. I think. Um, you know, I think they found their footing in this Stewart game. Stewart isn't on the team anymore. That's what you're thinking of, right? Yes, yes. yes Stewart, Anthony Stewart, yeah. Anthony Stewart hasn't been on the team for five years. Come on, Justin. I, I know. I I missed that. Uh, what was it? Derek? No, not Derek Jocelyn. Um, Jerome Sampson. Well, I also miss Derek Jocelyn. <laughs> I also do miss Derek Jocelyn. He scored a goal been. against Detroit. I remember it. I'll always remember it. Yeah. It was like a fadeaway wrist shot from the blue line. And it was even better with Titanic music. But isn't everything better with Titanic music? I think the best thing that I've seen all week was the Marshall Newhouse getting flipped to I Believe I Can Fly. Did you guys see that video? The offensive lineman? Yeah. He, uh, anyway. Oh! <laughs> yeah, that was good. Yeah. I don't know if anything could top that. The, the Jets dance to anything hashtag. Yep, Jets like dance to anything was great. That was real good. My personal favorite was All I Want for Christmas, but the Sandstorm by Darude. <laughs> yeah, that was, that good was a good too. one, too. But speaking of of, of good ones, uh, yeah, good, good solid win, as you both alluded to. That's a hell of a segue. As you both alluded to, Scott Darling proving once again that I believe he's the starter of this team. You don't have to worry about Cam Ward sneaking in the back door. Um, the thing that I'm a little bit nervous about <laughs> is his positioning. It is very antsy. I don't know if that's something that could be worked on in practice, but you know, he was in the butterfly while they were putting shots from the point. I don't know. It, he was just, he was a little bit antsy tonight. I think you could tell that they knew it was a bad week. They really wanted this win, and they play like it. Um, but again, I think it's focusing on high-quality shots instead of just number of shots. Uh, and that's what they'll have to look at heading forward into a very tough week. 
All right, I am. I'm currently watching with no volume a video of Troy Grosnick's highlights from from <laughs> from his first NHL shutout against the Carolina Hurricanes. And who oh boy, there's a lot going on here. I'll I'll keep you updated as 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 we as we move on. Only the relevant topics here on the Canes Country podcast. He made a big save on Victor Rask. You mean Victor Rask shot it into his chest? No, no, actually no. Big save. Wow. It's one nothing sharks. All right, keep us updated on that score, okay? Well, I want to know how this one turns out. <laughs> one thing that uh, I kind of joked about a second ago was how well uh, Roland McEwen played uh, against Florida. So, I mean, again, it's, it's it's a one game sample size here, and it's against the Florida Panthers, who are four and. Eight, four, eight, and they're bad. But the way that McEwen played with Hannafin and even strength was kind of promising. Um, of course, they got a sheltered role at even strength, but you still look at their at their generated shots and at even strength. Roland McEwen and Noah Hannafin were number one and three in uh, Corsi four uh, while they were on the ice, and they were both top five on the team in shot attempt differential. Look, if if McEwen can can keep that up, and again, it's just a really good game, one game from him, and if he can gel with Noah Hannafin a little bit, I think that kind of creates an interesting situation, and kind of an unforeseen situation, because if if he can consistently do that, and and get good out of Noah Hannafin because Noah Hannafin had a great game against Florida, like like Kyle touched on. Hey, who knows? Maybe maybe Roland McEwen uh, creates a little issue on the blue line, and maybe the only solution is what Justin. Uh, the only solution to all of our issues is Troy Grosnick. Kyle, what's the update? We want to. Another score. All right, time is winding down in the second period. It's still one and nothing Sharks. Hang on, I want to make a point. Zach Boychuk made one of the slickest playmaking moves I have ever seen in hockey in this game. And whoa, okay. Wow, we just had an incredible stop on Skinner as the second period ended. Anyway, Zach Boychuk, I want to I want to walk us through this play. I got to go back and find it now. <laughs> so so Zach Boychuk is coming down the right wing as a left-handed shot. He's got a defenseman bearing in on him, comes in, cuts up, goes toward the middle. Yuri Tulusti cuts back around him on the right circle. And then Boychuk just nonchalantly, like, makes a little dip move and then flicks the puck back behind the defenseman so Tulusti can get it, go in on, a, on a, like, a Eric Cole-style cut to the net. Just un- unbelievable hockey sense from Zach Boychuk. I think that kid's going to turn out pretty good. You know, uh, the Hurricanes drafted Boychuk instead of Eric Carlson. Did you know that? I will never get over that. No, that. it was not instead of. It was before. No, they, they sat there. Jim Rutherford sat there and said, okay, it's either Eric Carlson or Zach Boychuk. <laughs> and then he said with confidence, Zach Boychuk. <laughs> and then history tells its tale. I know that he's following just about everybody on Twitter, though. He follows roughly 700,000, 800,000 people. Last year, he was on Nova Severe. He put up 15 points in 35 games. This year, 
He is on Bratislava Slovan, and he has nine points in 11 games. Wow. That's impressive. What was your question again? I was I was kind of getting at the uh, the idea of Roland McEwen breaking into the league and establishing himself um, in a very Brett Pesci or Jacob Slavin-esque way and turning into a wonderful young defenseman at the NHL level and thus there's a little bit of an issue once Brett Pesci returns. You have you have too many defensemen. You have too many. And Klaus Dahlbeck's spot on this team is secured, so you have to get rid of somebody, as logic would, would tell you. And who knows, maybe maybe uh, maybe there's a trade to be made with a team that needs a defenseman and is willing to give up some help up front. Someone who may score goals. Which defenseman are we talking about trading? I didn't say anybody specifically. I'm just bringing up the idea that maybe if... if So if we're, if we're making a spot for McEwen, yeah. that means we're trading a righty. Yes. So that's either Falk, who is this defense's only serious offensive zone threat. Well, Roland McEwen did have two assists. Pesci, who team just extended and isn't going anywhere. Or Van Riemsdyk, whose value is low. Or. 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 They trade Jacob Slate. Is that what you're about to ask? Well, clearly that's what I was about to suggest. Who in this league, who in this league would you trade for Jacob Slavin? Or, like, who you would want to get if you were to move Jacob Slavin? Totally theoretical, that's never going to happen, but. McDavid or Matthews? Matthews, yeah. Really? McDavid or Matthews? Uh, you don't trade Slate. I don't think I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it for Eichel. I would not do it for Eichel. Kucherov. I do. I do it for Kucherov. I do it for Kucherov. Yep. What if What if New York approaches you and says, "Hey, we'll give you John Tavares and a shot at securing him"? Would you trade Slavin? I'm not. I'm not leaving Slavin in this division. Huh? Really? Well, uh, if I had, but, we had Tavares. If we had Tavares on this team and Slavin was on the Islanders, every time we played the Islanders, I would be worried about Tavares getting shut down. Because he probably would, because Jacob Slavin's a elite defenseman. He is elite. Hashtag elite. But speaking of defensemen, uh, you did mention about uh, what I would do in that situation. Um, I would trade... Klaus Dahlbeck. No, uh... Who is the young defense core? Yeah, every, no... Every, every uh, out-of-market mainstream NHL media article this offseason mentioned the, the young D-core, Justin Falk, but, Jacob Slavin, Brett Pesci, Noah Hannafin, and Klaus Dahlbeck. They're all under <laughs> six. They're all young defensemen. No, but let's... But really, but really, for a second here, if if this team is going to acquire help scoring, which I think it might be a necessity. I think you're going to have a hard time not trading away a defenseman. If you want to get somebody of any substance really up front. So who do you trade? You, I mean, do you trade Jake Bean? Do you trade like there's, I don't know. I think that's a legitimate question, even though I, I answered it as in kind of a joking manner. I think it's a legitimate question. If you're, if you're Ron Francis and, and you're looking at this team, and I think the biggest need for this team right now is more scoring. So if you were to 
make a trade for a player who could help you with that in your top six of of the forward group, uh, a la Matt Duchesne, uh, who is, of course, no longer available, but a player like him that would fit into the top six and, and make an offensive contribution would you trade one of these defensemen, especially factoring in the possibility of Roland McEwen establishing himself? And that is a what-if at this point after two NHL games, and one of them in particular being very good. I think it's a legitimate discussion to have. Well, I don't think your assertion that Roland McEwen uh, could be a part of this decor is that absurd. Uh, We obviously didn't think... Uh, Jacob Slavin and Brett Pesci would turn out to be the solid players they are. Um, yes, it is a small sample size. It's two games, um, it, but he has two points, so that makes him a point-per-game player in this league. Um, literally. literally. Uh, frankly, though, yes, you are stuck with a wonderful issue, and that is too many defensemen, which is something, obviously, a lot of teams in this league would love to have. Um, frankly, Yes, if you move a player of substance to get a player of substance, that player has to be Noah Hannafin. And why is because he holds value more than the other pieces you're more maybe willing to give up. Um, I guess you could probably put Justin Falk there. He's always been rumored for years, years and years. But so is Jeff Skinner. And look, he's still a member of this team. Um, Frankly, yes, I, I think most likely trade candidates would be either Falk or Hannafin. I think they're very happy with Pesci and Slavin. Um, if, if, if it was up to me, it would be an unproven Jake Bean. Um, I know that he's been having a good year in in the juniors right now. Um, but yes, if you were to trade a player of substance to get a player of substance, definitely Justin Falk or Noah Hannafin. I've been a big fan of the way Hannafin's game has, has developed this year. I'll have an article on that coming out Thursday supposed to run last week but uh, my anxiety over the world series prevented me from actually scheduling it once i finished it so it so it's running this week instead um but yeah hannafin i think he's been unbelievable this year i would argue that he's been this team's best defenseman this year uh not that he is this team's best defenseman because that is jacob slavin uh, but I, I think Hannafin's overall body of work this year has slightly edged out slavens and i don't expect that to con- continue uh, but I'm very encouraged by the development I've seen from Hannafin. Uh, with trading him, with that idea, we've discussed it before uh, in, over the summer in, in the context of the Duchesne situation. You're risking a lot. Falk, I think you hang because that skill set is something that this team doesn't have on the blue line outside of him with that shot. Uh, that's something that very few teams have in this league. Um, he's, he's been in the high teens in goals for three straight years. Uh, and, and that's something you only really get out of Brent Burns, uh, Eric Carlson, maybe PK Subban, maybe Shea Weber. Uh, like that's, that's top five defensemen, usually top three goal, goal production from a defenseman. Uh, and that's kind of just free offense at that point. Cause from the defense uh, obviously you need some goals from there but you're not expecting a guy to go get 15 16 17 goals from your blue line uh, and, and for a team that whose forward group struggles score with scoring as much as Carolina's does I think it would be a little silly to trade Falk even if it is to help uh, those forwards score a little more uh, and then obviously Slavin and Pesci 
you don't move those guys. Uh, you just committed to them big time over the offseason with those contract extensions. Uh, and there's a reason for that, because they're outstanding defensemen and they earned them. Uh, so keep them. That's, that's pretty simple to me. Uh, I do agree with Justin. I think if you're going to make a move with a defenseman for a forward, I think he trade an unproven Jake Bean for a similarly unproven forward prospect that has that high upside. Uh, I think that would be the way to go. Uh, you could kind of set up two waves. You kind of have you know the Terravine and Lindholm, Aho, Skinner group, Rask in terms of age cohort group, and then if you did that Bean trade for a forward, you'd have then the Natchez. Wa Kukinen, uh, Gauthier, and then that guy wave of forwards, and you'd have a lot of depth uh, with with this team's forward group. And yeah, I just think that's probably the best way to go about it. If you're going to make a trade to improve the forward group, maybe it's not an immediate deal, but you probably want to get a guy who's at least a little NHL ready so he can jump in and help now. Uh, but high upside, maybe unproven, because you know you're not going to get a proven elite forward for an unproven defenseman like Bean. That's just kind of an un, unrealistic expectation, uh, for me at least. But I wouldn't touch the top four. And moving on from a 1-1-1 one, one, one week for the Hurricanes against some pretty suspect competition, the, the uh, level of difficulty increases uh, quite a bit over the next few days as the Columbus Blue Jackets will host the Hurricanes on Friday and then the Hurricanes will return home to play the Blackhawks. And then on Monday, the Hurricanes will play at home against the Dallas Stars. So, after a troubling past three games, Kyle, how do you see the next three going? Well, <laughs> if they do well, say they go 3-0, and then you can pretend they went 3-0 and against Florida, uh, Arizona, and Colorado. And then you can pretend they went one one and one against Columbus, Chicago, and Dallas, and that sounds a lot better. Or you can pretend that they went one one and one in the games that they did go one one and one, and then they came back and beat really good teams. And maybe the Florida game is the turning point of the season. That's boring. Well, I like that. I I I gravitate towards boring. I think it's moot. I don't think they're going to do very well. I think that they'll beat Chicago. But I don't think they have a chance against Columbus on the road. And then Dallas, Dallas is always so tough for this team. So I'll go one and two. I'm going to say one, one, and one. I will say a overtime loss to the Blue Jackets, a regulation loss to Chicago, and a win against Dallas. I just, I never feel like we have Columbus's number. Uh, the Blackhawks game will be the second night of a back-to-back. And then, I don't know. I just feel like they'll turn it around against the Stars. They had a strong comeback. It just fell short. Uh, So, I I don't know. I I think they'll get a win there. You know what's funny? If you read read Columbus fans on Twitter, they feel like we have their number. (laughs) Really? And we feel like they have our number. Well, I guess we, we just keep calling each other, don't we? Kyle, what's your favorite number? Eight six seven five three zero nine. Justin, what's your favorite number? Um, uh, I don't have a joke like Kyle, so move on. <laughs> well, since you asked so nicely, I will. The Columbus game is a is a toughie. 
if if they if they beat Columbus and Columbus, I think that'd be pretty damn impressive. Uh, I don't necessarily see that happening, but you know, a, a win in Columbus would be big. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna predict a loss though in regulation. Uh, coming home for Chicago, they've the Hurricanes have had some some success against those Blackhawks, those boys from Chicago over the past uh, little bit, uh, especially at home when when the when the Blackhawks come to town. I remember very vividly the NBC SN. Uh, national broadcast of the Hurricanes winning five to nothing against the Blackhawks, I believe, two years ago. Um, Riley Nash scored in that game. Chris Perstek scored. John Michael Isle scored. Uh, I think I'm trying. Nordstrom scored. He did. I remember his wrist shot. So it's Nordstrom, Perstek, Lyles, Nash. I remember tweeting after that game that none of the neither of the stalls scored and Skinner didn't score. And I was trying to remember the last time they scored five without any of those guys scoring. McClement. It was McClement. Was it? It was your client. My client, Jay McClement. It was McClement, Nordstrom, Nash, Lyles, Versteeg. Not necessarily in that order. But I'm gonna I'm gonna fact check myself. Quick guessing game. How many of those players are still in the Hurricanes? Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Honestly, I was I liked Christopher Stieg. I don't know. He was he was a solid addition. Oh, we were wrong. We were wrong. Riley Nash scored twice. <laughs> Riley Nash. Jamie Boston Clement. Bruin, great. Right? I, was, I was more wrong than you. Jamie Clement did not score. He's, he did score a goal against Chicago at some point. But it was not that game. It was not that yes, game. It did. It was last year. Kane passed it to him right in the slot on a turnover. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Okay. Nordstrom did score. We were, mm-hmm. were correct about that. Lyles did score. We were correct about that. Jeff Skinner scored. So I must be thinking of another game they scored five without... Skinner or either stall scoring that I was trying to wonder the last time that happened. Maybe that was the last time. I don't know. I don't even remember the last time they scored five goals, honestly. Opening night, right? Nah, it was Toronto. I mean, that wasn't really five goals. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. 6 3, right? Wow. Yeah. Josh Joris. Two goals. Josh. I yeah. like Josh Joris. I, thought, I think he's played well. He's been solid. I take back what I said about him. Was, Justin was wrong about him, yeah. yeah said, I take back I'm pretty sure Justin said by this point he would He'd be waived. Yeah, well, you know what? I've been right and I've been wrong before, and I've been very wrong on two things. Okay. And yes. that was Josh Joris and the Arizona Coyotes. Couple L's. Couple L's for Justin. Couple L's. Speaking of L's. No, I three finish, L's. I didn't finish my Pre- preview and prediction of the next three games, Justin. Okay, what's going to happen? What's going to happen against Dallas? Oh, they're going to lose. So they're going to go really? one and two. Yeah. So we both have one and two. We both have the same exact situation. Yeah, I think they'll beat Chicago. I I think they're going to play Cam Ward against Columbus, and that'll be not great. And then they're going to give Darling the game against Chicago. Shout out Chicago. And then, well, yeah, maybe. I think the Dar- last Kane's goal shutout Chicago is Eddie Lack. 
well, I don't think Darling's going to shut him out. I think he's going to let up one goal on 27 shots. Okay, well, if if you're you're going to be in a good place if you get that right. We'll, we'll have to ask you for some lottery numbers. Yeah, and well, you know, one my prediction on the Golden Knights wasn't was actually pretty decent. So I have a track record now. What about your prediction on the Canucks? My well, it's still early. uh and yeah i think they'll lose to dallas uh dallas uh dallas tends to have carolina's number and when i mean when when i say tend to or tends to i i mean every single damn time he does except for that one time ray whitney got a hat trick against the stars and it the game was not on television and i was listening to it on the radio because i was back when not every Canes game was on television. It was a Sunday game against Dallas um, a while back, and Ray Winnie got a hat trick. Fact check it. I'm right. Speaking of uh, taking L's, Brett, talk a little bit about your NHL 18 franchise and some of the L's it took. NHL 18 sucks, for starters. <laughs> that is a terrible game. Um yeah, so I, I had the idea uh, whilst my internet was out uh, earlier today, I decided to do a Colorado Avalanche franchise mode. Lots of things were confusing about about that. Um, perhaps the most surprising um, uh, thing that happened during that franchise mode was the Colorado Avalanche played the Carolina Hurricanes in the 2021 uh Stanley Cup final and the Hurricanes won in seven. Um and actually Scott Darling was my starting goalie uh during that playoff during that playoff run with a young uh high upside goal goalie uh backing him up. And then the next year I went up three games to none. Um I believe against the Florida Panthers and then they came back and won all four, and I blew a three zero lead. And then the next year, I won the cup. Twenty twenty three, May thirtieth, two thousand twenty three. I texted that to, to Justin. Um, and the stars. What I want to know is why I'm being left out of of these texts. Kyle, you want to know what? Never mind. <laughs> all right, Kyle. Here's why. <laughs> no, no, um, no one ever answers me. <laughs> the game's like predictors. I, I think the gameplay is complete trash now. I don't play I, the game. I told you, I skate. I skate over the puck half the time when well, my player's you, position. Are you pressing the correct buttons? <laughs> I, I believe I am pressing the correct buttons. Yes. Well, I don't believe you. Speaking of pressing buttons. We hope we didn't press your buttons during this episode 15 of the Canes Country podcast. Oh, boy. Um, yes, it was a good one. You will totally enjoy it. You're going to write great reviews about it on uh, iTunes, where we'll still, I promise, we will read your reviews. We will read your reviews, and we will read them on the podcast. We'll give you a shout-out. We, we can even give your Twitter handle or something. Speaking of Twitter handles, uh, you can follow us at Canes Country on Twitter. Great stuff always coming out of canescountry.com. My name is Justin Leap. You can follow me at Lanky Leap on Twitter. 
My name is Kyle Morton. You can follow me at K underscore Morton nine. And you can follow me on Twitter at Brett Finger, B-R-E-T-T-F-I-N-G-E-R. I'm going to sleep for a while after this, I think. Yeah, rest up, buddy. We need we need 100% next week. It's episode 16, which is the Brandon Sutter one, and uh, we want a lot of grit. Marcus Kruger, Elias Lindholm. Tommy Westland. <laughs> Tommy Westland. <laughs> yes. So we need grit out of you. And uh, I need one more. Ryan Beta? No, Ryan Beta was 18. Damn. Reverse Corey Stillman. There you go. <laughs> Reverse Corey Stillman. Yes. And before you know it, we'll be hitting 20. So, man, we have come a long way on this. We'll be off to college soon. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I I didn't think we'd make it past episode like three or four. Did but really? we've shown our dedication. And honestly, there's nothing, there's nothing stopping us at this point. So, I'm sure there's plenty of things that could stop us. Yep, internet issues, uh, b- bad audio connection, um, just scheduling. Anything could stop us. Literally anything. Let's go. Let's let's take a step back from nothing can stop us. Let's, let's take a more realistic approach and say that literally anything could stop us. But we're gonna persevere anyway, like the Carolina Hurricanes do. Exactly. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. I Brett, it sounded like you were like extremely tired the whole time. <laughs> uh yeah, I feel like shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I even like... know what I was saying for half the damn thing. <laughs>